Well, it is the Christmas season. Yes. So, Merry Christmas. Is that like still early to say Merry Christmas? But it is Christmas. So, to get us into the Christmas spirit, let's do some Christmas trivia. You ready for this? Are you ready for some trivia? Now we have four questions. You're on the honor system. If you get it right, you tell yourself, I got it right. If you get it wrong, you tell yourself you got it wrong. Because at the end, the winner gets pride. That is it. No money, no gifts. Maybe we'll give you a lay. I don't know, though. All right, question number one. Who stole Christmas? Just shout it out. Brian did. Yes. Great. All right. The Grinch is correct. Bingo. All right. One for one. Everyone one for one? Uh, who got that one wrong? Be honest. All right. It's okay. God is, you know, working in our lives. Number two. What do bad children get in their stockings? Syrup. Yes. So... <laughs> we're two for two now who's two for two raise your hand if you're two for two all right pat yourself on the back yes good job all right number three here we go how many wise men does the bible say there were shout it out <laughs> who says three who says 12 who says 66 who just wants to raise your hand <laughs> all right nice all right so the Bible says, as I trip, the Bible says that uh, there were wise men or magi and they brought gifts of gold. So it doesn't say there are three wise men that brought it, it just says there's wise men that brought three gifts. All right, so it's kind of a trick question. How many of you got that one wrong? Okay, it's all right. Last question, here we go. Uh, true or false? The shepherds and wise men were together at the nativity scene. False. False. Yeah. Now, here's the deal. If you see a nativity scene, you're so, I love it. You're like, false. <laughs> if you see, if you're like at a, a nativity scene at a friend's house and they have the wise men, the magi, and the shepherds together, you don't need to go like, like, you know, knock it off the table. It's really not that big of a deal. Uh, but the wise men came, you know, probably a couple years later than, than all of that. So there you go. How many of you got four for four? Oh, Bible scholars up in here. All right. How many of you who just raised your hand lied? All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> hey, last, uh, we, we just came. Complete, uh, concluded a series called Where We've Been and Where We're Going. And two or three weeks ago, I talked about Pastor Harold Gallagher and how this church has always been a church that is um, uh, just trailblazing church. Our church is amazing. And one of the things that I, I mentioned was that uh, during Harold Gallagher's day, like 30 plus years ago, in the back, the Asians would actually sit in the, in the back. And just a little point of clarification it wasn't as if the people in the church and leadership of the church was pushing the Asians in the back and, and all of that. The, the idea was that in that culture, 
in their culture, they were more comfortable sitting in, in, in the back. And when Pastor Harold Gallagher came, he's like, listen, we're all family here. We're all in this together. So it's less of a segregation and more of a, come on, we're, we're all family here, that type of deal. So I just want to point out that little point of clarification there. So today, we begin a new series, Taking a Fresh Look at Christmas. I don't know about you, but some of us have had experienced a lot of Christmases. <laughs> Looking around, some of you have experienced more than others. I've experienced 39 Christmases. And there you go. So... <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that thought. But we're looking at taking a fresh look at Christmas. So sometimes Christmas can be routine. We got to get the Christmas tree. We got to get the lights. We got it. Well, maybe that's just me. But, but we get this routine going on. But I, what we want to do this Christmas season is look at the Christmas story but bring a freshness to it. And so we're going to come to, from different angles from the Christmas story. So hopefully that our Christmas experience is not just another routine Christmas. But this Christmas will be spectacular in so many different ways. So let me tell you, growing up, when I was a, when I was a kid, uh, when I was in fifth grade, sixth grade, the big thing was Saturday morning cartoons. Can I get an amen for Saturday morning cartoons? Amen. Thank you. Preach it. That's right. <laughs> I love it. So Saturday morning cartoons, which they don't really have anymore, you know. But you'd wake up at 7 o'clock or so, and you'd have this whole series. But my favorite, one of my favorite cartoons was Transformers. Not this, like, cool CGI and all that stuff, Transformers. It was Saturday morning cartoon drawing with a pen and stuff, Transformers. But they had a song. The theme song went something like this. It was like, Transformers, more than meets the eye. Yes! I love that you know it. I love that more than meets the eye because what that was communicating is that these robots from space that came down from space landed on Earth. Then all of a sudden the Decepticons came down on Earth. And these robots were more than just robots. They transformed. <laughs> Not only that, but they had these cool weapons to protect us from the Decepticons because they were deceiving us, those bad people there. But I love the idea of more than meets the eye because that's what these robots were. But as we look at the biblical account of what happened at the birth of Jesus, that was a major event that was more than meets the eye. Because think about the birth of Christ. Angels came to shepherds, lowly shepherds, shepherds that were not respected, not, not really valued. Angels came to them and said, a Savior has just been born. Go see. They went. You had the shepherds there. You had Joseph and you had Mary and you had the baby Jesus and that was it. It was not a big fanfare. The politicians weren't there. The religious leaders weren't there. It was shepherds and it was Mary and it was Joseph. And I imagine Mary and Joseph looking at Jesus, realizing that this baby is way more than meets the eye. This baby who is in our arms is way more than what we possibly could imagine. And the, 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 the love that Mary and Joseph must have had in their heart and the responsibility that they must have had in their heart that God said, here, 
Here's my son. Take care of Jesus. That is a lot of responsibility. So let's look at this profound event. Let's look at this profound event from, from a passage that is a non-typical Christmas passage, but it's in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 1, we're going to look at four verses, verses 1 to 3, and then verses 14. And we're going to spend a little bit of time on these verses here because it really will bring out some thoughts about Christmas that, that maybe we haven't thought about in a while. So John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. In the beginning, say in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, say the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, that's the Word, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. Then in verse 14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Whenever we read scripture, it's important that we understand the setting in which the scripture was written in. In other words, the context. The more we understand the context of what we're reading, the better understanding we'll have of Scripture. So let's look at some of what's going on here. What, what, what's going on is that John, the gospel writer, is appealing to both the Greeks and to the Hebrews, the Greeks and the Jews. And it's a powerful way of how he does it because in this day and age, you had the Greeks who are always debating, always having these big philosophical discussions. And then you have the Hebrews doing the same things, having theological discussions, trying to figure some things out. But between these two groups, one of the phrases that they would always discuss throughout um, during this time of history was this idea of the word or the logos or the logos. Because the Greek word for word <laughs> is logos. Word, it means word or reason. And the, the Greeks would, would figure out, okay, what, what brought the universe together? They'd discuss what brought everything together. How did everything come to be? What was that going on? And the Hebrews wanted to know something similar. He, he, the Hebrews wanted to know, well, well what is this, this word? What is this word and how does it apply to, to our situation? So, so here and now... John wanted the Hebrews to know that this logos, this word, was the Messiah that was prophesied years ago. And, and, and that comes out further out in the scriptures. For the Greeks, John wanted to know that this word, this reason, that, that how everything is held together is because of Jesus. So in three verses, really two verses, he is addressing the Greeks and the non-Greeks, the Jews and, and the non-Jews. And he's wanting them to know this is God who has come in human form. And let's look at this first phrase here. In the beginning, that's a reference to the book of Genesis. The very first book of the Bible is Genesis. It's, it's the book of beginnings. And it says, in the beginning, God. Then we have John 1. In the beginning was the Word. 
John clearly is is no, clearly knows that this will shoot off these you know uh, awareness thoughts, whatever the phrase it is. That that it, it's a, an allusion back to the Old Testament book of Genesis. That in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and then John one, in in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So when we read the phrase the Word. Or the word of God in Genesis, it, it, it is referring to the means in which God accomplished creation. That is this. God spoke and it happened. So, help me out here. God said, let there be light and there was? God said, let there be trees and there were? All right, help me out with this one. God said, let there be kangaroos and there were? Come on now. Help me out here. God said, let there be? I don't know. I've got to stop there. You get the point, right? God spoke and it happened. It was this creative action happening. The word spoke. Bam. It happened. That is power. Just say the word power because that's pretty awesome. Say power. So God spoke and it happened. Strictly speaking, in the Old Testament, the word of God is God himself in creative action. The word of God is God himself in creative action. In the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, in the 3rd century B.C., 70 scholars got together. They took the Hebrew Bible and they translated from Hebrew to Greek. And when people would stand up and read, they would come to the unspeakable word of God because it was all consonants. Is Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. We say Yahweh because we add vowels. You can't pronounce a word unless there's vowels in it. But they would come to the word for God, Yahweh, and they would use the word Lagos. So they'd be speaking about the Lagos. And Yahweh spoke, and the Lagos spoke. And Yahweh said this to all his people, and the word said this all as people. You get the idea there, how powerful this idea of the word is and so and so in these passages in these four verses I want to highlight three big ideas there's more but I want to highlight just three of them number one Jesus Christ shares God's eternity Jesus Christ shares God's eternity Jesus has always been it wasn't as if one day Jesus was created or that God created Jesus. Jesus has always been. Number two, Jesus is one with God. There's no distinction in essence. Now, for my philosophy friends, you'll like this. There's no distinction in essence between the Father and the Son. Jesus is one with God. And number three, through Jesus... All things were made. John is clear that Jesus is not just a regular person. You see that Jesus Christ shares eternity. Jesus is one with God. Through Jesus all things were made. Now this gets into this idea of the Trinity. Which is this idea that there is one God revealed in three persons. And how I look at it is as I read the Bible. I realize that the Bible is clear. There is one God. Everyone say one God. 
But then we have the Father mentioned as God. Then we have the Son, Jesus, here in other passages mentioned as God. And then we have the Holy Spirit in Acts 5 and Ananias and Sapphira mentioned as God. And so how do we reconcile that? Well, we reconcile it like this. I mean, this is how... This is thousands of years of, of debate and discussion is that somehow this one God is revealed in three persons. In fact, the Hebrew word ekad is one, but it's unity within the one. So, so when we think of the Godhead, when we think of God creating everything, let us create, let us do this. There is unity within God. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are in perfect unity. Another way of saying it, perfect relationship. And when God speaks, things happen. But now think about this. This God who we serve, who is the God of all things, has no beginning, has no end. It's somehow the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. One God revealed in three persons. This is the God who is more powerful than we possibly could imagine. Let me show you some cool things about how amazing God is and about how powerful he is. If we unraveled, if we unraveled our DNA, the DNA and our body, it would span 34 billion miles reaching to Pluto, which is 2.6 billion miles away. We all knew that. And back six times. The sun makes up 99.8% of the mass of the solar system. When I learned that this past week, that freaked me out. <laughs> it's so big that we could squeeze 1.3 million Earths inside of it. I thought Earth was big. I guess not. There might be as many as three sextillion stars in the universe. That's threefold by 23 zeros, or that number you see on the screen. That's more than the grains of sand on earth. Is that amazing? The more we learn about creation, the more we learn about science, the more we learn about our universe, the bigger we realize God is. And it wasn't, it wasn't until, um, it, it wasn't until the 1920s that scientists thought that the Milky Way, our galaxy, not the candy bar, was thought to be the entire universe. But now we realize there are, ready, billions of galaxies. And here's what I love about this. Science is helping us spiritually. Why do I say that? Because it silences us before God. It makes us go to God and go, wow, God, you are powerful. It puts our eyes off of ourselves onto the creator. And the reason I bring all this stuff up is because this God who is bigger and more powerful than we could possibly comprehend came to Bethlehem to be born in a manger and to be brought up by basically young, by, by young parents. This God that's more powerful than a fathom came to earth for us. He did not have to. He was not obligated to, but he wanted to because of his love for you and for me. This powerful God loves us that much. 
It is amazing to think about. And it's amazing because God came down. And he wasn't just born. He was born. He lived his perfect life. Then he died and he brought salvation to all. So why Christmas? Why Christmas? I want to share with you some thoughts about why we actually have Christmas. But, but, but I'm going to give everyone an opportunity to think, to, to have a time of introspection where you can really think about why Christmas for you. Some of you, you know, figure out how many Christmases you've had. Why Christmas this year? What is it about Christmas this year that you're saying, this is it? I'm excited. I'm pumped. This is, this is what Christmas is all about. What, what is it going to take between you and the Lord for, for there to be a shift in your life, a shift in your thinking that you could say Christmas has a brand new meaning? So why Christmas? Well, why Christmas? Because Jesus had to come because of our sin. There is separation between us and God because of our sin. Jesus had to come to, to bridge that gap. So why Christmas? Because Jesus had to be born to remove the sin of humankind through a perfect sacrifice. In the Old Testament, you have all the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and, and, and they would offer sacrifices. And then you had the 12 tribes, and the, the Levitical tribe was the tribe that would, people would take their sacrifices to the, to, to the priestly tribe, the Levitical tribe, and then they would sacrifice it on behalf of all the people and say, there you go, God. But the people wouldn't do it. They would take it to the priest, and then the priest would take it to God. And that's how it happened. But, but, but the difference between the sacrifice in the Old Testament and the sacrifice of, of, of Jesus is that there was still, in the Old Testament, it didn't take away the, uh, the penalty or the pain of sin. So Jesus had to be sacrificed for us. And then, why Christmas? Because Jesus had to be born to have a mediator. I don't know about you, but, but sometimes we get in arguments with people. Sometimes we fight. If you're married, you know you fight sometimes. Sometimes many of you fought on the way to church here. I like using that one because usually that happens, you know. We're running late. Come on, we got to get to church. And then, oh. and then sometimes we fight. And sometimes things get so bad, you need a mediator. And what's the mediator do? Helps bring resolution to all of that. That's what Jesus did. There was a problem. There was sin. There was issues. Jesus is the mediator that brought everything together. We needed Jesus to be our mediator. Another way of saying it is that he's our high priest. Remember in the Old Testament, the priests were the ones that would go and give the offerings to God. The Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus is our high priest. And so what happened is that when Jesus died and he rose again and conquered the grave, he was the final sacrifice for all of our sins, past, present, and future. And because of that, we don't offer sacrifices anymore in terms of what they did in the Old Old Testament, but now we could go to God because of what Jesus has done for us. He has given us access to God, and that's because he was born for us. It all goes back to Christmas. It all goes back to this powerful God being born so we can have a relationship with him. 
And the band could come on, on this snow, and I have a th- uh, the, the fourth reason. He came, and there's more reasons. They're just, just four thoughts I thought were pretty powerful. Um, is that Jesus had to be born for the Holy Spirit to come on all people. Jesus was born, then he died. Now, here's the timeline. So Jesus, he died. Three days later, he rose again. Then he was on earth still for 40 days. So this is 40 days. Then he ascended. And when he ascended, though, he left us with this Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 is a powerful uh, example of that. Acts chapter 2 is this example of the Holy Spirit coming down at Pentecost, coming upon all people, people speaking in different languages. It must have been an amazing event. And the idea is that God was in these people, right? God, the Holy Spirit, is in them. Now we have God in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. God living in us. And we are to be living sacrifices. So as we look at this this Christmas scene here, as we look at what Jesus did, as we look at Mary and Joseph realizing that there's more to meet the eye there, let's realize that this is an event that brings joy. Let's realize that this is an event that brings so much joy because if it wasn't for Jesus, there wouldn't be a lot of hope, would there? And so many of us are going through tough times. Many of us are going through struggles. Many of us are going through, you you, you fill in the blank. But let's focus on the baby for a moment. This God that's bigger than we could comprehend came to earth for you and I. We need to continue working through the issues in our lives because we all have issues. And sometimes we need to work through that with a professional Christian counselor. And I say that as much as I possibly can because that is so vital. But what I want us to focus on right now is the birth of Christ. That brings joy. Say the word joy. Life gets tough at times, but there's always joy. Say joy. Sometimes we want to give up, but there's always joy. Say joy. There is joy. There is joy because of what Jesus has done. Whatever it is you're going through, let's take a moment and let's sing about the joy of the Lord. Let's sing about Jesus and the birth because it's all about Christmas. And so let's stand together. Let's sing this classic old song and let's sing it from the bottom of our heart and realize that we can have joy. Amen? Amen. All right, let's sing.